This is the A-B Testing 343 Podcast, a podcast where we ask one of the three listeners of the A-B Testing Podcast three questions about almost anything. ABT 343 is a fun slice of what's going on in the world of modern testing. Let's get started. We're back again for another episode of ABT 343, and I'm here this time with Machi Zeredek. Hi, thank you to be here. It's, it's very exciting. I'm nervous. We'll see how it goes. It, it's more exciting for me. I am, I am excited about this series. I think they, uh, a lot of good insights from listeners of the podcast and people practicing uh, modern testing. I'm also looking forward to maybe in the future having people who don't agree with the principles who have some conflicts. I think that'll be a fun thing to do. But I don't think that's going to be the case today, but we'll see how things go. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> So I know that uh, one of the things is you, I name dropped you in my recent uh, Ministry of Testing course on modern testing because you took, Brent and I did uh, in the 80s of our podcast, a lot of deeper dives into each of the principles. And you created a mind map of that, which is super helpful. And uh, just, I wanted to thank you again for doing that work. And I think it's going to be continually valuable for people trying to get their head around how these principles can be applied and how they work with each other. So thanks again for that. My pleasure. I will admit, um, I am. I really like to learn from mind maps, so that's why it was created. Well, I was trying to do an article for one of the, let's call it, uh, blogs in Polish, Poland about modern testing, and I needed to, you know, sort it in my head. So while walking my dog, I was taking notes from your past episodes, and I was compiling it in that mind map. My only problem with it is that the current format is not very good for you know contribution from other people. I'm trying to figure out some better ways for it to work in the future, but for now I don't have any ideas how to tackle that problem. That's interesting. We need a, a mind map diff tool. Yeah, you know, <laughs> actually, I found some way. Um, I found recently that there is some plugin uh, for the um, XMind. Uh, to use Python to, you know, to make a different tra- uh, formats from it. And I'm thinking if it's possible to, you know, to use it to store the mind map in Git in some other format and just, you know, auto-generate it. But I haven't yet started looking at it. I will probably use it as one of my programming challenge in future mo- future, f- further months. That is super interesting. Uh, speaking of, we're going to start right off with tangents here, but speaking with about uh, programming challenges, uh, in case I forget to mention it on the podcast next week, it's almost time for the, in fact, tomorrow, the Advent of Code programming challenge starts. I don't know if you've ever done that before. No, I, I was listening to you when you were doing it last year or two years ago, but I haven't taken time to participate in it last uh, last year. I am thinking about trying it this year, but I don't know if I will have time because I'm doing my own challenge in the meantime, so it will I, I've never finished it. I've started it every year for about the last three years, and it's a lot of fun. It's uh, in my current role about the almost the only programming I get to do, but it's it's fun. Last year I did it in JavaScript, yeah. and which was both good and bad, but it worked. I might. Why try- did you choose JavaScript for it? That would be challenging. <laughs> uh, I don't know exactly. It was convenient. I think it's. I don't recall my reasoning. I think yeah. it, it was convenient. I was on. Yeah, let me guess. JavaScript is popular. Maybe see what's going about it. And then it's no, no, no. Why I didn't choose that? 
the advent of code always has two challenges. One that's kind of hard. There's always a follow-up that if you're lucky, your initial solution is it's easy to bolt on. But if you're unlucky and you solve the first problem in a weird way, you have to basically rewrite something. And there yeah. was one where you had to figure out where someone would be on the thousandth iteration of, of some complex maze or a thousandth step. So did the code to figure that out. And they say, now imagine the character has gone it was like 10 million steps. Or no, it's more than that. It's like, it's like 10 billion steps. Okay, if I was in a, typed, a strongly typed language, I would have to change my integer types and redo a whole bunch of stuff with large ints, et cetera. But JavaScript doesn't care. I just added a bunch of zeros and ran it again. It took took three minutes or so, but it, I still got the right answer. Yeah, and that is the power of the um, uh, soft typed languages that yeah. you can do lots of that kind of stuff. Of yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it was a good thing. I'm just saying it worked. Yeah, there's, there's... I am currently playing with the JavaScript because we are taking a look into the um, uh, Puppeteer and other solutions. And my biggest pain is the debugging. Fortunately, Visual Studio Code is giving some good options, but it's still not on the level that other languages and other IDs have for that. I, I definitely hate JavaScript more than I love it. But let's have a, a 3 for 3 podcast. And uh, I'm not going to edit any of that out because I think it's all super valuable and interesting. But... ABT343 is a podcast for people who have at least some knowledge of modern testing. And I know you have, as we've spoken of before, uh, more than above average knowledge. So for the first question, can you talk a little bit about, two-part question, about how you've seen modern testing work and how you can, maybe some ways that you've got teams to, where you've snuck it into the job, where you've got teams to adopt some of the modern testing principles without knowing they're doing it? Okay, so... Um, I will start with the second part because it's much more uh, recent situation for me. Um, there is currently a new project starting. Well, it's not exactly a new project. The old project is returning for another re release. And um, they had few situ few problems. Basically, regression was taking five hours. And since this will be the probably last release for that customer, we wanted to you know to improve it to leave him uh, with some um, better positions in the future. And the plan was to try to put automation there. And I I wasn't too keen on that because well, since this is last release, I wasn't seeing the proper value of you know giving the end-to-end -end tests there. And after lots of discussions, we came to the conclusion that actually the biggest issue for the customer uh, is that basically um, the process when they find bugs, because due to the fact that the lots is dependent on the data and we don't have that data and we can't have that data, is um, found in the production by them and they have to report to their representative. He has to do quite a lot of checking. And then, you know, it has to go to our support. Our support is resolving the issue. So my proposition was to change an approach. Let's look into, you know, improving our logs to create some alerts. So when we see some suspicious situation in production, so our customer support will know about it before the customer representative even will know about it. And maybe we'll even be able to go with it so fast that they will be able to fix it before anybody contacts us. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. We will see how it will work out because, you know, um, 
I was introduced to the project last week and the project is starting in the Monday. So we will see how it goes. But so far I was talking with the architect and he, he says that it's quite possible to fix the logs because right now the information in them, in them are not enough to you know even reconstruct the situation to see what happened. So, you know, there is a lot of the discussion so what did you do? What happened? Et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, shorten the feedback loop by making the logs better. The whole situation can be resolved faster, which means the client will be able to make more money. And it means customer will be happy, which means he will stay with us and we can make more money because our support, instead of the fixing the issue in, let's say, five hours, they can fix it probably in maybe hour. That sounds like principle number one. Your uh, your priority is improving the business. Exactly. Nice. Do you have other examples of how you've got teams to adopt modern testing? Or this is maybe not exactly modern testing, but something very connected. Uh, I am community leader of the test automation in the objectivity company I work for, which means I have a lot uh, contact with testers that want to learn automation. And what I am trying to show them is learn how to code. This ability will be helpful for you in much more aspects. You can write some small programs that will help you with your testing, will enhance your testing, will, will allow you for the faster feedback, will allow you to better communicate with developers, to better understand what's going there and make you, let's say, much more productive. The automation, the end-to-end -end tests is not a way to go. Especially that I agree with you that, in my opinion, this is the stuff that should sooner or later go back completely to developers because, let's be honest, this is the hardest code that you will ever write. Yeah, I, I've made that comment before. In fact, there was, uh, and I'm gonna, we're going to dive in here a little bit, but I remember huh. talking to, when I was writing a chapter in, I was asked to write a chapter in Dorothy Graham's book, Experiences in Test Automation. And... I am always of the camp that focusing on writing automation is the wrong goal. You're trying to mm -hmm. make it easier to do your job well. And automation can help there, but that's that's what it does. And the story I wrote, I, I was interviewing a former tester who was an architect on the Windows team at Microsoft. He talked about a, a sort of a mock driver framework they wrote that allowed companies like Intel and these people making hardware that was going to be available uh, much after the release of the OS of uh, being able to test that hardware through a pretty sophisticated mock driver framework. I forget what it was called. Time has escaped me, but that was a good example of accelerating the achievement of quality. And it's just much more valuable. My experience has been writing tools to help me test has been much more valuable. And serendipitously to this conversation, I just... I. <laughs> I saw a few more tweets this weekend about testers focusing on automation. And it's so weird. Testers, it's odd to me. It's not, you look at the state of the industry, it's not odd. But testers, as you've seen, they go, oh, I want to make myself more valuable. I want to learn automation. And what they really want to do is they want to make themselves more valuable. And there's a, they're focusing on the wrong goal. I'm, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure because uh, from perspective of value for the customer, I agree with you. 
but we are also in the let's call it corporate world when you are just a number in the table and let's say let's be honest having that automation in front of your title quite often means you will earn much much more money it doesn't matter that probably as you know manual tester or human tester you are much better you can do much more but for the payroll you are just the number and you may hit the glass ceiling very fa very fast for the tester. But, you know, this is the problem of the industry that also needs to be tackled sooner or later. Yes. Any other examples of applying modern testing principles in your, in your roles? And actually, uh, answer that question and doing that, I'm not exactly sure what your role is. It sounds like you're in a, sort of a consultant role, but I'd like to hear more about what you're... What your yeah, day -to -day job uh, basically, is. my title is simple. I am senior um, automation quality engineer at Objectivity, but my role is, I would say, automation expert. It would be the, the easiest way to describe. I am responsible for test automation community in the company, so I am responsible for helping with the recruitment, with um, sharing knowledge, with trainings. And I am also, you know, expert. So when there is some situation that requires someone much more knowledgeable, I am the one that is called for to, you know, to help resolve the situation. We, for example, had a situation when we were past the, you know, asking question if we should be doing, but if we were in the point we have to do it. Basically, there was platform that we couldn't uh, do performance testing using the JMeter or the Gatling because the lacquers that were messed up and we had to do something that is completely against the books, you know, use Selenium for the performance test, but actually it wasn't completely any other option. And for example, I was the one that had to design some solution how we can even tackle this problem. I was screaming in my heart that I have that we are in situation when we have to do it, but you know, client needs some information about how the application is performing. And we haven't any other option to provide him that information. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, before we go on, but were there any other examples of modern testing uh, worth sharing today? Uh, to be honest, I think for now we can stop with this okay. because right. I haven't yet answered the first part of your question, which I cannot oh, remember. Oh, that's right. Which was, how have you seen modern testing work in software houses? Um, Some success stories. To be honest, this is the place when I see the most problem because when I look at the DevOps, when I look at the um, software houses, the problem is the DevOps, even if you read the Phonics project, they are saying that the most core business you should keep in hand, you should keep at your side so you can develop it fast, you can release it to production often. And this is the problem I see because usually when you outsource something, you need to have some kind of contract, some kind of working with the organization to be able to, you know, to have, to trust them. And usually most software houses I see are not at this level of trust because they are either working in the body leasing model, in which case, you know, they don't care because all management is on the side of the customer. But in case of time and material or fixed price, which are, I think, the two most popular models, there is the problem how to actually implement properly DevOps because you are sti you still are very dependent on the customer and how they, they are willing to trust you with you know the access to production and that kind of stuff. 
and it's additional barrier that needs to be broken. I recently learned that there is another model of cooperation with the customers, which is called, I may, I may screw it up, I think it's outcome-based model when customer is basically paying depending on the outcomes that you are achieving. And I think this is the only way for the software houses to move forward to be able to work in the DevOps and hence also apply modern testing principles because we need to build that trust. And I think that's the point of the first principle. Where we have to improve business. And when we improve the business, we are able to build the trust to, you know, to be able to even improve the business even more due to the other principles. Thank you for that. In that, you mentioned the Phoenix Project. And I know from our conversation that you recently read the Unicorn Project, still on my list. Uh, tell me, just curious on your take on that and what would be the interest of that of that book for people who are listeners of this podcast and and to and to be prefaced while you think about that phoenix project is all about the theory of constraints which is uh, a big part of accelerating the achievement of customer quality or, or customer value so i'm curious where the unicorn project takes over and what sort of the main lesson and gist of that book is that would be quite a tangent because i must admit i don't like this book I read it and I think this is still a good book, but it's the weakest book about the DevOps from Jen Kim. It's, it has its problem. Uh, I think for starter, we need to start with the goal because uh, Dr. Goldratt, one of his ideas for the goal was to share that stories are good uh, material to teach even about hard concepts in the management and other stuff. And the Phoenix project took much of that. It completely ran with the idea of the uh, story as the method of presenting the information. Unicorn project is also making the same way. It's also the story. And here is the problem. The book starts with disclaimer that you have to leave your that you will have to use your suspension of disbelief. And this is the big problem for me because at this point you are basically saying you screwed up as the storyteller that you need me to completely use my suspension of disbelief because the book is happening at the same time as the unicorn project. It's, I would say, as the unicorn, as Phoenix project is about the bridge crew with the managers and how they are dealing with the situation. The unicorn is about the, as they call it here, red shirts, the normal people down in the system, uh, the teams that are actually dealing with the problems. And here I have quite a lot of problems because uh, the more I'm trying to look at the characters, I see, for example, the time is completely made from the rubber because I cannot imagine how the original characters would have also time to participate in these events. And I think my biggest issue is I cannot say for whom is that book because at first I thought it's the book for the, you know, for the laggers, for the late majority, for the developers, how they can learn about new technologies and how to use them. Because basically every popular technology right now, Kubernetes, uh, Docker, etc., is named and explained in the book. So it's kind of seemed to me like it was addressed to those people. But then I kind of can see it because those people won't probably have contact with this book since they are in the laggers, they are still quite far away from the DevOps. And even if they hear about DevOps, 
probably they will hear about the other books first. And my problem is also what this book tries to teach, because the only worthwhile thing, thing that was the, how it called, the five ideals for the, um, of the work. And the ideals itself uh, were great. Oh yeah, local locality simplicity. That was one focus flow and joy was the second. Third was improvement of daily work. Four was psychological safety and five was customer focus, which the five is very similar to first principle of the modern testing. And they were a great idea, but the way they were introduced in this book, there was too much noise to actually see them in the work. The authors were tried to put them in the spotlight. But I kind of didn't feel like the spotlight was put on them properly. I'm still building my I, my final uh, opinion of the book as I'm writing the review for it. But at this point, I cannot say for, for whom I would recommend that book. I don't see, you know, the targeted audience for it. Fair enough. It's something I think because I like business fables. I've read all the Lincioni books and and the Phoenix Project and the Goal, of course. Uh, I liked actually. I liked the goal the best because it wasn't about software. Yes, I agree. Because I could and, I could form the metaphors and the patterns myself, and I think that it makes yeah. it a lot easier to adopt. Plus, I was listening to Goal recently as the audiobook, and what was impressive for me, it was proper audio play. I think there was something like twelve uh, voice actors there and wide array of sounds. So. It was a joy to even listen to it. It was treated as uh, the proper uh, audio play, and that was also interesting. I've never had an audiobook experience like that, so I might have to check that one out just so I can... I think it sounds great. So it's like listening to a play. Especially when you hear the doctor, how it was, Joshua, Jonah, and he's speaking with heavy accent. It's (laughs) really just a joy to listen to him. I'm going to check that out. I'm going to definitely check that out. One last question while we're kind of on thank and thank you for that. I, I'm like I said, I'm still gonna read it, but Yeah. I, 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 think- I, I wanna form my own opinion, but I think that's I was a little worried about it earlier on, but I I will form my own opinion and probably share it on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your opinion about it. All right, one last question for today. And I'm gonna give you an op- option to rant a little bit and I'll probably join in. But you had mentioned to me on Slack that you read an article in Polish today on the state of testing. And can you talk about what you read there and your reaction? And uh, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, and we can both, I'll help you tie it into modern testing if and where needed. Yeah, basically, um, there was an article called State of the Testing. And I started reading the article and basically it was about testers, 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 testers. And even more, it was about traditional testers. Then it starts going into different things that are happening in the market. Author himself is stating that uh, the market is not satisfied with traditional testers and they are doing other things like, you know, monitoring, DevOps, and there is whole Italy of things which I consider testing. And he said that the testers are staying behind. And... He ended basically his essay with saying that testing is in the defensive right now, which kind of triggered me because uh, looking at even things that he has mentioned, from my perspective, adding to it even the test ops, modern testing, I think testing wasn't ever better than it's now. The teams see the value of actual testing. The teams are going forward with quality. 
what I'm seeing is that actually the traditional testing is in the defensive. And as I've already said, the fact that he put equality mark between tester and testing was the thing that pissed me off the most. <laughs> and you know what Brent and I say. Yeah. And, and more and more, and I, I'm, I have to continue a little Twitter battle after our talk here today, but I'm caring less and less about testing and more and more about quality. Uh, testing is one method to reduce risk. And it's a very good method and good testing reduces a lot of risk, but it's not the only way to reduce risk and, and improve the business. Exactly. Yeah, I, this is something I'm kind of mentally not ready because I'm still putting the equality mark when it's not between quality and testing. I'm trying to disconnect this, but you know, the years of the training makes it hard to remove that quality mark there. But I am seeing it as less connected lately. I agree that you can achieve quality. Well, when we talk about accelerating the achievement of achievable quality, it's definitely, I, I'm figuring out more and more. Brent and I have been saying that phrase for years. I think Brent just reposted his blog post where he coined that phrase maybe 10 years ago. Over time, I'm realizing more and more what that means is less about testing, more about the other ways we reduce risk. And you look at uh, testing and testability are one way, and the traditional way we did it when we were shipping things every couple of years, but operability and the ability to deploy safely and monitor and learn are just as big, if not more, actually more important, I would argue, in some businesses. Yeah, plus the thing that was actually in the goal, because one of the... Well, that will be a mouthful. The goals of the goal was not only to, you know, to present the theory of constraint and show how the stories can be used as teaching method, but Goldrat also wants, wanted to show people that the science is not only what the scientists are doing, that everybody can experiment, everybody can learn from the experiments. And the here is the also the value. We, you don't have to be tested to experiment and to check the results of these experiments. And lots of quality is coming from that fast experimentation. Yes. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, that's that's it for today. So any actually before we finish, any blog sites or Twitter handles or anything else you'd like to share with listeners? Yeah, I am on the blog uh, on the blog on the Twitter as Machi Virodek. I have blog called The Broken Test, where I recently went on quite a long essay rant for dedicated for the people that want to go into the testing, where I'm talking about different myths connected to that because I'm thinking that we are sending too much snake oil to them lately. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I nodded my head so hard I almost hit the microphone. Yeah, exactly. And um, basically, I am lately happy. You can see me on a lot of conferences in Europe. I uh, My plan for the next year is to finally tackle the west of Europe because on the east, I have no problem with getting into the conferences. On the west, I have a little problem. And again, I will try to go with some subject topics connected to modern testing on also developer conferences. We'll see how it will go. Sounds awesome. Let me know if I can help at all. I'll try and uh, grease some wheels somewhere if I know the people. Yeah, I will probably ask the free to help with the um, abstracts for the call for papers. But that today I am lazy and I'm not writing and I will be doing something tomorrow. Well, thank you, Mashi. It's been fantastic talking to you today. I know uh, we both have to go take our dogs for a walk. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. 
I'll try and edit out mine crying in the background earlier. I'm sure that'll work out all right. I, 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 I don't know if you could hear that or not. She, she had a little whine. Hey. No, I can't hear it. Okay. I can't hear it. Okay, good. Talking. Good. We'll see what happens. All right. Thank you again. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you for having me here. Bye.